0: Ghosts are horny. Fooky.
1: Revisiting female violence. (laughs) That could be any of these episodes.
0: I I hate to bring up bugs. (laughs) Once again, I have to bring up bugs. Six quick and easy steps
2: for your common demon summoning. I accept this headcanon.
1: Liberal propaganda, damn cucks.
2: This is a John Winchester hate zone.
1: Could have had killer optimist prime and he had to be racist to
0: be fucking racist hi and welcome to on the road with supernatural the podcast where we watch and discuss supernatural episode to episode from the beginning i'm jasper Graydon.
1: i'm jordan graham
0: and i'm Allie. and we'll be your hosts for this monster of the week journey through american folklore and christian mythology Welcome back, Allie. It's very hey. nice
2: to have you back after we didn't have you for a couple of episodes. There, yeah. Jordan and I haven't been on the same episode in a minute. Yeah, yeah it's that's been a true. while.
1: We've enjoyed our time with the lovely Ben, but it's good to have oh the my God. trio. You're
2: so right. I don't. I totally forgot about Yellow Fever. Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, Allie. Yeah, I I tried to block that one from my mind too. So <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That's what I meant, is that I'm happy to have you both in the same place.
1: Here we are, the trifecta.
0: Reunited, and it feels so good. So today I want to talk about um, Halloween costumes. There's so many fun costumes in this episode, really bizarre, creative ones, and really like kitschy mm-hmm. expected ones. But I want to know what everybody's favorite Halloween costume that they've done is.
1: Okay. So mine is just a really simple one. I am the person who throws shit together to make really like kind of ramshackle Halloween costumes. Like one year for Halloween, I literally just stuffed a bunch of trash bags to be a magic eight ball. So my favorite thing that I've ever done. And listen, it's overdone. It's you know expected, but it's so fun. Being a Chippendale dancer, it's such a fun Halloween costume. (laughs) Because, like, all of the attention is on you. Everybody wants a lap dance. It's super easy to meet people if you're wearing a Chippendales costume. I don't care your gender, sexuality, no matter what it is, wear a Chippendales costume to Halloween one year. You will have a great time. I wish I would have bought a muscle suit to put under it. Oh, my my God. Amazing. What about you, Allie?
2: Man, I don't know if I can live up to that. My favorite I ever wore, oh, my gosh, I must have terrorized my family by wearing this every chance (laughs) I got. Was a Queen Amidala costume. It was when she has that headdress on and the lips painted with the stripe on the bottom. The dress is so warm. So for in October in Ohio, it was amazing to be in like this felt floor length dress with fur on the Mm -hmm. bottom. I definitely didn't peak then. But just because of how many times I have worn that in my life, I have to go with it. Incredible. I love that. Honestly, like the costuming in that movie was oh. the only
0: good thing about that movie. So like good for you for breakfast. Um,
2: excuse me, Jar Jar Banks. You're forgetting. <laughs> <sighs> me
0: <so Jar-Jar>.
1: No. <laughs> what about you, Jasper?
0: My favorite is a fairly recent one. It's the one from the Halloween party that you had at your place that one time, Jordan. Mm-hmm. I was like a woods witch slash, I don't know, forest spirit thing i mean almost yeah. like a flower crown but i i made like little horns and like mm-hmm. a big old bird's nest and some craziness that you i had stuck like moss in it. on your
1: face yeah yeah
0: I put moss on my face and i put mushrooms on my legs as if my legs were like a log and I had all these layers of like different neutral colored fabrics and like shawls and stuff that i tied together with a belt it was a good it was a good look it was a good costume <sighs>
1: It was, it was really good. Honestly, like, I, if I could relive any days of my life, like, I would go back to that party. We had such a good time.
0: Aww. We did. I think that was the first time that I met Ben, Ali's
2: fiance, Ben.
1: Yeah, because he was a Dracula. Yeah, yeah, that was the first time
2: anyone met him. Oh, my gosh. Uh, wow. He said he was a Dracula.
1: Oh, fair, cl- fair. A Dracula. Clearly
2: and yeah, it's not, the the not the Dracula, the. but... Not the.
1: He's still working up the notoriety.
2: Yeah, working on that. <laughs> someday he'll be the dracula (laughs) oh good shit good shit love halloween today's episode
0: is season four episode seven it's the great pumpkin sam winchester the one with the bad pronunciation this episode was written by julie uh speaking of bad pronunciations is her name spelled siege i don't know julie siege and directed by Charles Beeson, and originally aired on October 30th, 2008. So, just in time for Halloween that year. Very mm-hmm. cute, adorable.
1: I remember what I was that year. I was Edward Scissorhands.
0: Oh my God, 2008. What the fuck did I do that year?
2: I was I a 50s know. housewife. Oh my God. Why? why? <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> but, like, also, literally, why eighth grade me? <laughs> All right. So let's talk about the episode. I
1: hated this cold open. I'm just going to be honest.
2: Really? I thought it was hilarious.
1: I so Okay. You're right. It was hilarious. Okay. <laughs> what made it hilarious? So here's my thing with witches. Okay. The thing about witches is like what makes witches scary and what makes witches exciting all at once is that there's no rules to witches. Like, there are, like, references we pull from, but it's magic. Like, you can do anything. And I'm like, this man was killed by coughing up, like, three razor blades.
2: That's one of my biggest all-time fears. Is the razor blade in the candy thing? No, specifically just swallowing, straight up swallowing a razor blade.
0: I mean, the idea of it is uncomfortable. Like, I'm not going to lie, the inside of the mouth shot with the razor in there while he's trying to, like, grab it. That's pretty gross. It is Like, gross. I kind of winced i just like
1: i wanted the razor blades like coming out of his eyeballs and ears jordan really go for it
0: it did kind of feel like a rehashing of the suburban coven
2: in season three true
1: this is what witches do and they're like all esophagus focused
2: does supernatural have an oral fixation yes i see it I like how this is nostalgic in the sense of, like, this was a river everywhere. And I think Supernatural needs to go with, like, more American legends. Yeah. I love the play with the urban legend. See,
0: that's what I think really draws me to this one. is It's just, like, so ubiquitous and, like, it's corny and it's mm-hmm. playful if you're gonna have an episode around teenagers and Halloween and all this stuff, then like you gotta have the razor blades in the candy, I feel. Yeah.
2: I also like like the detectiveness of this one too. Like, here's the hex bag, here's this from an herb. It's just so cheesy in a fun way of uh like piece by piece figuring this out.
0: And I think, you know, while again, a lot of it is corny or cheesy, uh, this episode does do a good job of like using all these little elements to like tie a bunch of scenes together in a way that makes mm-hmm. sense.
1: Did we discover a hex bag in the suburban witch episode too?
0: Yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I do yeah. like
1: that continuity running through.
0: Yeah, the continuity is great, and that's something I think this episode does really well too. Obviously, it's at the end of the episode, but uh, you see Dean doing the the silver stake with the zombies at the end, which is something that we hadn't seen since season two, episode four. Children shouldn't play with dead things. Yeah, which was the slutty zombie.
1: Oh <laughs> yeah, that's right.
0: But uh, but it's nice to see them like clearly like, oh yes, I remember that episode and this method of killing that thing. Like <laughs> it rewards a long term viewer, and I think that's great.
1: Are we cool to talk about the contents of the hex bag? Yeah, Yeah. I would
0: love to talk about the hex bag.
1: So first, I just want to say, I do like how knowledgeable about like witchy stuff Sam is. If I don't get like witch Sam in this series, I will riot. Like... (laughs) He's so cute, right? yeah it's just the best i like how he just knows all this stuff
0: yeah it's adorable he's like this is this extinct plant look at this ancient celtic coin look at this little baby bone and he just finds it all so neat he's like oh don't be such a baby it's just a little bone
2: it's adorable i love that guy and this is him being knowledgeable and nerdy and not like a dick about things, which I love.
1: I will say gold thread is definitely not extinct. No. So I, w- I was like, mm, that's kind of a weird thing. But it is typically used to treat like stomach stuff. So it kind of makes sense. And like a little hex bag that makes people throw up razor blades.
0: But then it was definitely in the other ones later.
1: Oh, true. <laughs> okay. So after this, we go to. Wait, wait, the- wait, 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 wait. Oh, wait,
0: yeah, wait. yeah. Wait. Sorry. Wait. No, you're good. Because I want to talk about this motel, though.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah, the motel. I
0: love this motel. It's so cute. It's literally called, like, the was it the Midnight Motel or the Moonlight Motel or something? Yeah, it was. With, like, the big crescent moon that has the face on it and, like, that mossy green color on the outside. It's just so fun. But the inside of the room is so awesome. And it's, like, all the spooky witchy colors. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they were, like... Sure, yeah, pumpkins and that kind of slime green and, you know, (laughs) bright orange and black and whatever. But also these other spooky colors. Like, I love the checked floor with the black and red tile. And, like, everything in there is damask. Like, they have the purple damask wallpaper, the purple damask bedspreads, the green damask couch. And, like, those awesome, like, antique-looking lamps and stuff. Yeah. Oh, it's just such a vibe in there. I'm obsessed with it. It's what I'm trying to make my bedroom look like. It's amazing. I
1: love it. Okay, so now we move on to the high school party.
0: I love this. I love it too. Oh my gosh. All these little babies. Yeah, they're so cute. And like the variety of costumes they have is just so fun. Um, some of them I really had to think about. Did you guys have a favorite one?
1: Oh, geez. No, I don't remember. I wish I would have wrote some down.
0: Same okay well i can tell you the ones that i wrote down that okay. jumped out at me there was a guy dressed as a keg there was like this girl in this like roughly pink matching bra and like mini skirt that also had these pearls on it and like she was wearing like a, a white aristocrat wig with like a big curl so oh, it sort i remember of looked that one. like she was like a slutty marie antoinette <laughs> Except she had like this black velvet mask with like a feather in it. I wasn't entirely certain, but I love the vibe. There was a gladiator. There was a girl dressed as like a circus ringleader with a top hat.
1: I do remember Um, that one.
0: Justin is roadkill, I think. He has a big tire track across his chest. There's a bullfighter. There's like some sort of warrior woman with like these huge shoulders and like a cape and all this leopard print. And there's a girl in a gold dress and like a miner helmet, like a miner's <laughs> helmet. I'm pretty sure she was a gold digger. Oh, oh my that God. makes sense. I'm pretty sure that's what it was supposed to be. And then, of course, there's Tracy, who was a cheerleader, and um, Jenny, who was a slutty nurse. The slutty
1: nurse felt very much like what in two thousand eight. Oh my gosh! Right? Halloween. Yeah.
0: Especially absolutely. just like the styling of it in general, like the whole silhouette was so two thousand eight. And then like those shoes she was wearing, like the um heeled Mary Janes, I was like Jesus Christ. <laughs>
1: yeah, like I can't believe we used to walk
0: around looking like
1: that.
3: Yeah,
0: and her hair that was like super over straightened, and she also clearly had a bump. It.
2: Yeah. Oh my gosh! Bring that a little back, baby. To bump it. Oh goodness!
0: I was super excited to see her, though. Despite all that, of course, we recognize next to her Ashley Benson, who plays Tracy. She was in yeah. Pretty Little Liars and Days of Our Lives. Those are like her Bisexual big ones, icon. right? Yes. And then Jenny is played by Louisa de Oliveira. She was in The One Hundred. She played Amori, who was one of my favorite characters. She had like the mute uh, yeah. hand. She is so gorgeous. Like, Mm -hmm. you can, like, she's pretty here. And you're like, oh, yeah, you know, she's really young. She's cute, whatever. But she, like, really blossomed. Like, I cannot believe that she exists type pretty. But anyway.
1: And they gave her a fun little death scene, too.
0: Her, She was great in the whole scene, I thought. Oh, my God. She acted it so well. Right. Like, no shade to Ashley Benson, but... Like honestly I think she was seriously outshined. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: Just
2: by this one little
0: scene. Like she was so dynamic and like even her like weirdo death was a fun time.
1: It really was. They even had like the camera inside and it like sort of boiled. It was mm-hmm. fun.
2: Yeah, right. Weird. Have death. Any of you ever bobbed for apples? I haven't. I don't think so. It's actually shockingly difficult. No, I bet. I just, I love that. And I also love how that's the thing that like, we did it in like elementary school, middle school. Like what actual party? But I I totally hand wave it when it's like the cheesy Halloween episode that we need it. I just love that it's a
0: part of the the party because like the whole idea of this house party is like they're teens and they're having to have this kind of like tame party because it's the parents house and like Uh there's all these goofy like family friendly things like the bombing for apples and they're eating like cake (laughs) whatever it's cute it is I really don't understand what they were trying like with the her arms are stuck to (laughs) the thing and like they can't pull her off of it like no one's trying to tip over the basin or anything but I don't care because it's just so like it's so fun like there's a certain charisma to it like it's not like she was drowning like she literally like cooked to death or whatever
2: which is it's just so ridiculous i can't be upset about it exactly that's how i feel about so much of this episode like it's just so over the top but for a halloween special i don't care don't do this on a normal or like especially a season closer
0: right right totally but it's halloween it's supposed Mm -hmm. to be kitschy and goofy
1: are we ready to talk about when the boys show up after she dies
0: Yeah. And they have that great shot of like the Frankenstein wall decor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So goofy. Anyway, sorry. I just love that they put that there and then there's Dean standing in front of it like, haha, yes, he was. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Anyway.
1: I think this is when we kind of find out that Ashley Benson's character is going to play a bigger in the plot of this episode. And I think we did want to talk about now too. This is kind of when Dean sees her and makes like a bunch of don't hit on the cheerleader comments and Yeah. Like that. This is
0: probably a good way to start talking about like the frankly alarming levels of like pedophilia going on in this episode. Yeah. So they walk into the room and they're like surveying the the crime scene or whatever. And Dean's like, I'm going to go talk to the cheerleader. And Sam's like, two words, jailbait. And they sort of have Dean make like this face, like, you know, like fair criticism of me. And I'm like... One, like, I like it's really not funny, like, no. so I don't understand mm-hmm. why I make a joke about that. But two, and this is something Jordan, you've said on previous episodes, how am I supposed to be rooting for our main characters when they're making remarks like this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm all for having complicated, imperfect characters. But I think and and you know, of course, everyone has made like a horrible joke that was just not unfunny and done and said things that were like sexist and racist and yeah. homophobic. Everyone has. But I think like there's a certain line that you really shouldn't cross and um for me that would that would be it is having your main characters make weird pedophilic comments I don't know
1: (laughs) well especially because like I mean I'm glad it isn't but this isn't like something from Dean's character that we've seen over the span of the show is that he's attracted to like underage girls so it really makes me look into the writer's room and who wrote this episode and I'm like right I'm looking I'm pointing my eyeballs at you mister you're about to be on some kind of list
0: right it's like who how many people looked over the script and were like yeah that's totally fine like I know they want to play up the idea of Dean as this like gross womanizer okay do that with adult women characters not an underage girl yeah
1: yeah Well, and I feel like you're a better note taker than I am. I feel like the sexualization of her character like kind of continues on throughout this whole entire episode as well.
0: Yeah, it totally does.
1: Like it comes back in with another conversation with Sam and Dean talking about like, I think they like specifically like talking about why they would choose. They don't say like cheerleader, but like they're like, yeah, of course they would want to be like a sexy high schooler.
0: So that scene, they do refer to her as a cheerleader. And Sam is like remarking that it was it's a weird choice for like this super powered witch to be like a high schooler or whatever. And Dean is like, well, if you got to pick how you looked and you were a 600 year old hag, wouldn't you want to be like, a hot cheerleader.
1: Yeah, I think the word hot is what bugged me there. Yeah. There is definitely more to read into that, too, with Dean's character, but...
0: Right, and... I would love to talk about that when we get there. Because for me, I feel like the intent was weirdo, horny, pedophile shit. But to me, it comes off in a completely different way. Because of a lot of the expressions and the length of pause and stuff. But anyway, yeah, the intent was definitely this weirdo stuff. And I think like you can even see it being justified in certain other areas um they have the conversation with Don the art teacher who insists everyone call him Don which is like a weird thing too because I feel like there's always that kind of adult figure character who's like insisting on being addressed by first name who's like I'm the cool guy and like trying way too hard to be like involved with the children in a way that comes Comes off as really creepy, um, so that certainly doesn't help. Like these, like pedophile vibes. But in that same conversation, they're like, "Oh yeah, Tracy is an emancipated teen." <laughs> Feels like the same kind of like, well, the age of consent in the state of blah 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 is actually sixteen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like that same kind of thing. And it it makes me very uncomfortable. Yeah, like, Mm -hmm. they're trying
1: to spin as much as they can to justify their gross fantasy.
0: Right. It's like they're saying, like, we can make these jokes because actually this character is legally an adult it's nasty and you know like then they go to rescue her or whatever or they think they're rescuing her and the way there's like the drag of the knife down her chest like in between her boobs and stuff by the character who at that point we think is like a trusted authority figure um, in her life or had been it's just all really yucky and not in a way that is explored like you know what I mean like obviously something are going to be really offensive and gross. And then it's okay for those to exist because we should take the time to deconstruct them and think about them. And like things that are horrific are horrific for a reason. Like I, I love horror. I love things that are nasty, um, but not things that are taking time to justify themselves being nasty. Like things that are taking time to explore with an audience why they're disgusting and why they're bad. Yeah, right. Like this is not doing that. And that's what makes it uncomfortable.
2: Well, I think not even just uncomfortable, like, this is such a fucking issue in our society. And like as someone who yeah. works with teenagers, like it pisses me off because this perpetuates that as like something that like is normalized, even in a joke. Oh, yeah, so like you see the people who are like the bad guys, quote unquote, are the ones who do it more, but everyone does it to some level. And normalizing that is like right. something that keeps it so prevalent And like, I'm telling you, I weekly have conversations with my kids being like an adult or someone in power who shows any sort of interest or like anything like that. Like it is a problem and they should know it. And so when media perpetuates that, it's like just a joke. Or you're not the creepy one, so you're fine. That is just as problematic and it's so insidious. Right. No,
0: totally. And we've discussed this in other inappropriate areas in this show. It's like the media that people absorb really does affect the way they think and the way they behave. Especially when it's very popular media or you're, you know, not exposed to a lot of different kinds of media. It does do real discernible
2: damage and like Ashley Benson, obviously, like she is literally a child, if not just declared not when she was acting in this. And right. Like, so, obviously, this is not at her fault by any means. It is the people in power here and the writers. But this and having pretty little liars have the teacher relationship in that, like, oh my God, it's just everywhere in the media. Right. And yeah. I was so excited. Like I loved Pretty Little Liars when I was like in middle school because right. it was a mystery. I love a mystery, but it, it truly is everywhere. And in so much like the new season of the new Gossip Girl is just disgusting. Pedophilia is never a joke. Definitely not.
1: So um,
2: on a wider
0: note.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, witches bags. We find one. Hex bag.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, and I do want to mention real quick, while we're still kind of in this scene, there is a very good setup for a later scene, which is sort of what I was talking about with a lot, like some of the more clever writing in this episode. Justin mentions his mausoleum party, which becomes like a big feature of the climax. Oh, yeah. They're just partying everywhere, those kids. <laughs> good, good for them. That's
2: what kids should be
1: doing.
0: They should be having a good time.
1: Right? Not being like oogled by old men.
0: Ugh.
2: But also, I want a mausoleum party.
0: Oh yeah,
2: right? let's do it. That's the like, other thing. Like, like, Where's yeah, my mid-20 mausoleum party?
0: We would have rocked that shit, yeah. just saying, like.
2: <laughs> so let's talk
0: about briefly because I'm going to get into this with our guest for this episode, mm-hmm. my good friend Ripley Winston. Um, but let's talk briefly about this scene where they're, they're trying to connect together the different witch killings and coming up short until Sam discovers something in a book.
1: <laughs> oh,
0: God. I've got to tell you, as someone who really enjoys demonology stuff and someone who is also pretty familiar with, like, neo-pagan Celtic calendar stuff, this scene makes me feel very weird. <laughs> yeah. And and I think like from the first time I ever saw this episode, I knew instantly I was gonna be mad about it, it to some degree when the pronunciation of Salwin came out of Sam's mouth like Sam Hain. <laughs> salmon. <laughs> salmon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They're gonna summon them zombies and ghosts for a salmon
0: orgy oh my god <laughs> <sighs> jesus christ
1: what a thing to just like randomly find a book too like where are these books and
0: that was like a musty old comb he had like that wasn't just at the library like where did he get that from
1: <laughs> oh dear lord they just got are like they- a mobile library in the back of the impala
0: Honestly, I think they do just sometimes keep, like, weird books in the car, though. Yeah. Like, at least in the late series.
2: I like the idea of seasonally switching out or regionally switching out their library.
1: Like, oh, we need all our dusty Halloween ones.
2: Oh, my God
0: honestly though, regional libraries would be helpful and Mm -hmm. seasonal because like there's different types of monsters and spirits Mm -hmm. depending on where you go and depending on what time of year it is so like yeah that i know you said that to be kind of goofy but like really though oh at least until i
1: can make electronic copies
2: we gotta go old school and difficult that's the way the boys do it Oh my God. I love the idea of like, what are they even called? I forget. Oh my God. I was houses. Yeah. That's what I was thinking about.
0: Yeah. 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 Like we have them like all around like our, our neighborhoods and stuff, Mm -hmm. but what if they had them for just like monster tomes for hunters? (laughs) Like these, these caches of books and other, other useful materials. See, that's my version of your like weird hunter supply store guy who makes <laughs> the custom like weapon racks. My <laughs> version is like weird, buried treasure chests full of stuff and knowledge. I mean, fair. Yeah, both
2: very handy. I think and also that's the series I want. I don't need the fucking Papa Winchester series. I want the series of the kid who accidentally discovers the uh hidden monster library. That
0: sounds awesome to me. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. I will say about this demon, if I can just get over the fact. That they are like well obviously this is Sam Hain based on the Celtic calendar dean like I love the concept for him Mm -hmm. that they just had like a super demon that was doing ghost orgies every year and was like a horrible nightmare creature that was just Mm -hmm. hanging out on one day. I think that's fun. What a blast. Like yeah, like, like if orgy. they just hadn't been like, oh, yeah, he is Sam Hain, like, I would have loved this so much.
1: Sam Hain, oh my god, <laughs> it's just so weird.
0: It is,
2: it is weird. I do want to just say that if it is a once a year ghost orgy, Jordan was weirdly psychic again about the ghost cummies. My ghost god,
0: cummies.
2: I forgot about ghost cummies, I know. It's been so long. Yeah, wow. we haven't any
1: ghost cummies in a while. It's been dry up in here. <laughs> <laughs> well, spoiler alert. No ghost gets a to cummie tonight.
0: Oh, <laughs> Poor ghosts. Um, And then on top of all this, to be like, this is the real history of Halloween, Dean. Hallie, <laughs> I think you had some stuff for us
2: about Halloween today. Yeah, I Speaking do want to talk about Halloween. And specifically Halloween in the United States as Christians did with so many things. Uh, We love appropriating holidays. They are Um, very good at that. So good at just being like, hey, we'll include your party. (laughs) Join us. So it obviously started with that, but also with Sam Hain. (laughs) Stop saying (laughs) Sam Hain. But I really am interested in how it developed in America. So there's... All Saints Day for Catholics, November 1st. Right, is how we kind of appropriated it. And in the United States, it was a little weird at first because the Protestant religion here, um, a lot of places weren't celebrating it because of the more conservative and non-celebratory nature of areas here Um, until the Irish with the potato famine came here and brought a lot of the traditions from it, especially the jack-o'-lanterns, which weren't always pumpkins. Often they were like squashes and gourds and stuff. And please look up pictures of carved turnips and squashes and gourds because they are fucking terrifying. I bet. People weren't fucking around with making stuff look creepy back in the day. Yes. Oh my gosh. It truly is like 10 times more terrifying. But so they started celebrations and it was very much regionally what happened and kind of appropriating, not appropriating, but bringing in whatever culture, depending on the area of immigrants to America at the time period. But in the late 1800s and early 1900s, it became more of a party thing. It was for older people a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And in the 1950s, they were like, no, we're wholesome we can't do this. (laughs) So it very much shifted into making it about a community event at the time period. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's when it really shifted and we get like community like parties and it transitions from being more about teenagers and adults into being for children. Gotcha. And of course, as all things follow with the 50s and into modern America, commercialization. Love to hear that. (laughs) So obviously nowadays it is less about the traditions. Like not even that many people like carve pumpkins, and I feel like less and less are even trick or treating. But it's more about like the dressing up. What character are you going to be? Um, no weird ass homemade costumes, which I fully think we should bring back. I am all for the weirdo homemade costumes. They are so much more terrifying. Um, please look up like 1920s children Halloween costumes. Yes, truly horrific the homemade like paper mache masks of demons Ugh. that's what we need I'm sorry I don't need to see another fucking Elsa walking down the street <laughs> give me the creepy origin um and I really like how this was kind of like constructed by adults to make it into a more like family friendly and of course that got turned into how can we make money Yeah. I just want more weird costumes so here's my plea make your costume, make it weird. Don't let your children tell you what they want to be. Just choose something for them. Make them like a can of peas. I don't care. Make them something weird. But I do like how a lot of this is bringing in the old traditions. Uh, Like we talked about, like the bobbing for apples and with pumpkins and apples, it is bringing in a lot of the agriculture of early colonized America. Yeah. So I I do like how even in this, we have those traces being pulled through. It's well done. Also, um, I found out I did not know that this was inspired by Ray Bradbury's book, The Halloween Tree. This uh this episode? Yeah, like down the line, like it's like this was inspired by this, and you know what I mean, but it trickles down gotcha. to Ray Bradbury too, which is just more classic colonized American authors. Gotcha. That's really cool. Want more Halloween? Let's just all year yeah. round wear costumes, please. No, I totally
0: agree. We should have like a costume holiday every month.
2: Yes.
0: Well, thank you, Allie. That was really awesome. I love Halloween. Very good. Me too
1: definitely makes me sad since we are like as far from halloween season as we can be
0: yeah
2: but but we've got gay season oh (laughs) that's true true. the month where we can be gay and then
0: womp womp (laughs) womp womp since we had Ali talk about the history of Halloween and how that sort of changed over time in the United States in particular, I would like to turn to my friend Ripley, a fic author who can be found at Cheerful Shinigami on Twitter and AO3, to talk about Sawin, the unfortunately mispronounced in this episode.
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, unfortunately, it is quite butchered here. <laughs> Uh, essentially, when it comes to Halloween, uh, Samhain is actually the pagan holiday itself that celebrates the difference between the the leaving of summer and the coming of autumn and winter. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. essentially, it's a giant party. So obviously, how is Supernatural getting a demon lord from a giant party, you may ask?
0: I do. I so do ask
3: that. <laughs> um, so this is actually where it's kind of fun. So essentially the earliest tale of any sort of connection as Samhain as a demon or as some sort of entity into himself uh, Mm -hmm. actually goes back to the 1700s uh, with a British colonel military surveyor by the name of Charles Valencia. Now this man, for some reason, was convinced that Irish people came from India. What? um, Excuse? (laughs) was. (laughs) He was trying to um he was writing these books trying to prove this theory of his. That
0: is so bizarre. <laughs>
3: I know. <laughs> um so his incredibly sketchy scholarly work here, uh-huh. uh big air quotes, claimed <laughs> claimed that there was this deity named um Salmon or Salmon or a uh, Sabin. Okay. Now even back in the seventeen hundreds people knew that he was basically full of croc, essentially. Right. Nobody really believed in anything he wrote But he wrote for quite a while So eventually he was published With a literary publication called The Quarterly Review For Uh most of the 1800s um and since they ran his stories as mostly true or at least they didn't say they were blatantly false right even though there was um information disproving these quite easily they just ran with it because it was a good story so that is the original right isn't this
0: great (laughs) so that's so (laughs) embarrassing I know. Like I'm I'm experiencing a little bit of like chest tightening right now, just thinking about <laughs> it. Like, ooh.
3: This is terrible. <laughs> so it, it gets better. Okay. Oh, so no. we we so this kind of disappears a little bit. Now, how is Sam Hain showing up as this demon? Well, okay. it turns out that evangelicals are sometimes really damn good at coming up with demonic mythology when they really need oh, to Oh my god. <laughs> I hate uh, this. <laughs> so, it's the 1980s. Uh big hair is in. You know, people are going to the mall because that's what they do. And so, oh my early... god, satanic
0: <laughs> panic.
3: Yes, essentially. So, back then, um it was very common, uh, especially for like religious people to be giving out pamphlets in public places, especially early mm-hmm. in the mornings. So, there was a man who was infamous for this. His name was Jack Chick, and it was okay actually referred to as chick lit which is hilarious when we think about it he gave out what was essentially like the PETA version of like pamphlets of like you're gonna go to hell unless you actually like convert to you know christianity right so one of the pamphlets is about halloween and it actually states on it October 31st was celebrated by the Druids with many human sacrifices and a festival honoring their sun god and Samhain, the lord of the dead. Oh my god. They believed that the sinful souls of those who died during the year were in a place of torment and would be released only if Samhain was pleased with their sacrifices.
0: What the fuck?
3: (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) this is how a holiday... So this is how a holiday became its own death god in three easy steps.
0: Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sad that Ali isn't here uh, for that because she's all about three easy steps to something. <laughs> wow, that is that is so stupid. That's like. <laughs> I don't no, know what i was expecting you to come back with probably like more something about, interesting like, like the i mean that is very interesting but it's so dumb right because you know <laughs> I mean? like my familiarity with Sawin is like that it's a celebration of those who've passed but it's kind of like like a send off like a, you know a, not exactly a funeral but everyone says prayers for like their beloved dead man jesus that's so dumb oh my god (laughs) and of course some dude in a mall with a pamphlet would be saying this
3: of course that's where the best stuff comes from
0: oh yeah absolutely homemade photocopied at kinko's it's the best fan
3: fiction oc at like top level
0: (laughs) exactly exactly I can't decide if I'm comforted by the fact that the writers of Supernatural didn't just make this crap up with Sam Hain, or if that would have been better. Like, is that the better option? Oh my gosh. Because like, wow. (laughs) Yeah,
3: right? Not what I was expecting to find either. (laughs) No,
0: no, definitely not. Wow. Well, I can't wait to inform my co-hosts of this cursed information. <laughs> Having You're been welcome. to, like, solemn celebrations um, before, at least, I actually, I don't know if Allie has been to one, but Jordan and I have. Having been oh. to those, I'm sure um, Jordan, at least, will get a kick out of it. Good <laughs> I've never been to anything, so that sounds cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for that. You're very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking forward to having you back on again sometime soon.
3: Absolutely. This was a lot of fun.
0: Okay. Um, so speaking of gay season, <laughs> and circling back to the episode, and to the conversation we were having <laughs> earlier about this weirdo thing, Dean's comments about wanting to be a hot cheerleader, <laughs> <laughs> I like... I know, as we mentioned, okay, we're trying to take it to a horny place, Mm -hmm. but like existing as like a hot girl is not the same as fucking a hot girl. (laughs) And the long pause where Dean just is like considering the idea of being a hot girl, there's some gender happening over there. Mm Mm-hmm. I would like to share that after watching this episode, my mom called me on the phone and was like, Is he okay?
1: <laughs> the answer is always no.
2: No, the yeah. answer is
0: no. But like, I'm telling you, if an adult cis straight person calls you on the phone and is like, <laughs> Is this character trans? <laughs> You might have accidentally written your character as having some gender stuff.
2: Just saying.
1: Especially because it's like, this is not the first time and it definitely won't be the last.
2: Yeah, it was actually. Looking back, this reads so much as like, oops, I didn't know I was trans. <laughs> like, right? Like, oops, I can't believe it's not butter. Literally, yeah. This could oops. be an infomercial. Like, no, Justine. Oops, I can't back.
0: believe it's not a cis man. and i know like and i've talked before about having like the ftm dean brain rot because of a lot of stuff but like seriously i i 100 percent accept all trans dean headcanons because of shit like this
1: Mm -hmm.
3: like
0: why is there so much of this in this show like and sam never has lines like this what's going on i don't know (laughs) Um. although I have to say I have read some really good like transbian Sam fanfic and I'm like okay I love that
1: (laughs) I'm down absolutely
0: everyone's gay and trans obviously
1: that's not my world I don't want to live in it
0: exactly you're so right Jordan (laughs) so anyway that sort of alleviates some of the other weirdness of this scene for me is just being like Ha, huh, I'm taking your weird, stupid joke and making it gayer and transer, so there.
1: <laughs> I think next is when they're, like, staking out the Wallace's house, and they find out that Tracy's a big, fat, stinky liar and is their babysitter.
0: Well, that was actually before this, oh. but I love, like, the idea that she was just, like, bold faced lie to <laughs> yeah. Dean. You're just like, I don't know her.
1: <laughs> <laughs> don't, <mm-mm. laughs> I guess in her like fucking hundreds of years of life, she's not learned the art of lying.
2: You know, not everyone can be good at everything, Jordan.
1: That is true.
2: The Supernatural Wiki puts it as like a um, fucking like dateline special. On Halloween day, Dean discovers that Tracy is in fact the Wallace family's babysitter. <laughs> Dear lord <laughs> that's so dramatic <laughs> i'm
0: obsessed with it though <laughs> it's so good i love that <laughs> who wrote that article i want to shake your you? hand
1: So I think this kind of lines up, but like, for me, it kind of bleeds into each other. It's so funny because this episode feels like a countdown, like that they're just really not able to find this witch and stop this final sacrifice. Mm -hmm. But like, these witches are not good villains because we immediately have Tracy, (laughs) like literally just boldface lying and getting caught immediately. And then we go to the school to meet Don. Don. And Don's like, and they're like, you know, that Tracy. And Don's like, yeah, that crazy bitch. She tried to kill me and has all this disturbing ass art. And I'm like, no, if you're, throw them off her trail. Like, what are you doing, Don? You're the bad guy.
0: (laughs) Right. Like, I'm going to become a killer But also, like, Sam and Dean are kind of off their game, too. Because they're like, literally waving this ancient coin in his face too. (laughs) You ever seen this before? Like y'all, you don't have to worry about like breaking the law and like, you know, having stuff be admissible in court. You're going to murder these people. Like don't blow your, your cover right now. Like they should be suspecting everyone. And they're just like, have you seen this ancient Celtic symbol? (laughs)
1: Ah! Mercury must have just been in retrograde in 2008 on Halloween. I tell you what.
0: Honestly.
1: Uh, This town kind of deserves salmon. They're all dumb.
0: Oh my God. Do you love this scene though, despite all of that nonsense? I think it's really fun and dynamic, which I feel like I'm describing this episode as that a lot. But like aside from everything that's offensive about it, it, it does have dynamism. It has it. Like they walk into the scene and it could just be this goofy, like interviewing the witness type thing, but they thread in like these the character moment of Dean having hell flashbacks with the masks. And then they cut that with the levity of Justin returning with his person-sized bong he's trying to fire in the (laughs) kiln.
1: Oh my god. I did like that.
0: I love that. And I gotta say, like, I love that they just have this recurring side character who like is not important, but he he makes the episode like work together, actually. I think (laughs) also you have to be really really talented at throwing clay to throw that like I'm just saying like that thing was really tall like even just making like an eight ounce sized like cylinder is really pretty hard so kudos to him
1: (laughs) where there's a will to smoke weed there's a way
0: oh yes so after all of the shenanigans at the school and talking to Don and all of that They head back to the motel where Cass and Uriel are waiting for them. And I just, I love Sam meeting Cass for the first time. It's so cute and sad to me.
2: I love how Sam is just like a kid on Christmas and then Cass is so fucking socially awkward.
0: Oh my god, yeah. Uh, and, and all of Sam's, like, you know, apologizing for taking the Lord's name in vain and being like, oh my gosh, it's an honor to meet you and all this <laughs> Oh my
1: stuff. gosh, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Little and, sweetie pie.
1: It makes me a little sad that we really didn't get more of, like, Sam's faith throughout the
0: series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like,
1: they talk to, it, but I just feel like it's really kind of a lost... I don't know. It was just a big opportunity to really build Sam as a character. Because this scene is with him is so great. It's probably one of the best Sam scenes to date.
0: Like, in a while, anyway.
1: In a while, yeah.
0: And Cass is so funny in this, too. Because I think, like, it is awkward that he's very like ah yes the play with the demon blood or whatever but he does seem like genuinely pleased to meet Sam and and genuinely happy that Sam isn't using his powers and like all this stuff like he doesn't have the sort of bad attitude that Uriel has like yeah. he's a weirdo but he is sort of in that moment with Sam and I think it's a fun dynamic
1: I, I feel bad though that like uh, Uriel kind of shatters sam's excitement a little bit by being an asshole
0: oh my god right i love uriel though she's so mean i'm like there nothing compels me more than an antagonist who's just like fucking mean for like no reason
1: Yeah, he is just kind of like up his own ass, (laughs) which is fun. It's good. Give us something. I wish they were giving us something a little bit different since I think we were actually talking outside of the podcast a little bit about how um, the only black men we get in the show are angry black men. But
0: right, right. We get angry black guys who are usually antagonists. And even like Rufus, who is not an antagonist, is an angry black man. Yeah, It's pretty disheartening. And like as much as I think Uriel is a cool antagonist and I enjoy him in this episode. And I think the actor does a great job too. It's frustrating to see this kind of a pattern.
1: One million percent agreed. I'm really curious where they're going to go with this Uriel storyline because he is like in direct opposition to Castiel as we find out later that Uriel is very like finger on the trigger or cast yeah Yeah.
0: he's like let's just smite some people he's like i don't want to deal with this (laughs) i love when he calls them mud monkeys that's my favorite (laughs)
1: mud monkeys crawling up from the dirt
0: right and his voice is so good too like fucking mufasa ass like when when he goes lucifer is no friend of ours i'm like oh my god (laughs) tell me more i love him
2: I love how it's like the two best friends from Mean Girls. Like it's totally like the kind of socially awkward one and the bitch best friend who's like bitch in a good way. Like I love
0: Uriel. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Like there's definitely angel characters that are like bitchy and annoying. Yeah. Like Naomi in the far future. God, she sucks. But like Uriel has this charisma. I don't know. I just like him.
1: So I think here is where we also find out that Salmon is one of the 66 Seals.
0: Yes. Yeah. And that's what their whole argument is about, is how they're going to deal with this. Uriel would like to purify the whole town. And Dean's like, well, hold on a minute. Let's not just kill 1,200 people. (laughs) And they're like, uh...
1: I do like the idea of this. If they had been building up the mystery of this episode more, like, it would have been a lot of fun. Because, like, we have, like, now, like, this intensity, this buildup. Like, oh, we're on a time limit. Like, if we don't do this in time, like, this town's going to get nuked. Right. Right. It's definitely this scene is like good for the pacing of the episode.
0: For sure. Like it really catapults us forward and makes it feel like there's some urgency to finding this witch. Whereas before it was just like, oh, yeah, you know, there's a witch, da da da.
2: You know, we talked before about, like, how the witch messed up, but I love the continuity of, like, this fucking crazy powerful witch that, like, even the angels are kind of, like, worried about. And then also, she just does not give a fuck anymore and can't even tell a good lie.
1: (laughs) I guess if you have been alive for over 600 years, you'll probably start to lose touch with your humanity a little bit.
2: Yeah, she's just, like, balls to the walls, like, I don't give a fuck.
1: oh and then the angels also found a hex bag so uh the boys were gonna be the next sacrifice
0: right and I think it's so funny how Uriel is like well you should be glad that we saved your stupid asses I don't know like their whole attitude is just so funny to me yeah and like I I love um the way the scene is shot too and like it it, is so consistent throughout the series like starting around this season around this point in this season even where like the scene is comprised of like Dean and Cass are like looking each other directly in the eye without blinking for like a minute straight while people around them are having an argument (laughs) yeah and like it's interesting to me how this scene still feels like there's a lot of movement and like it still feels dynamic, um, despite the fact that we are kind of frozen in between these two characters staring each other down. They're just so in their own bubble right from the beginning of this se- season. It, it just really blows my mind.
1: Yeah, absolutely i'm really kind of sad to hear how like in the car right after this how disappointed sam is and like finally meeting his angel
0: yeah well and then like he's so like completely flabbergasted by the like uriel in particular um by by the behavior of angels and he's like you're supposed to show mercy is what he says to them and uriel's just like yeah says who (laughs) <laughs> and it's, it's very um, like the same vibes as like the kitchen scene from a couple of episodes ago between Cass and Dean, just like emphasizing their coldness and their willingness to do whatever it takes to get shit done. You know,
1: it, it's kind of cool, too. Um, I don't know, like, about, like, um, angelic lore or anything, but, like, angels are kind of, they remind me a little bit of, like, Greek deities where it's, like, every angel has their role. And um, Uriel is the purifier. That's, like, his thing. He's used as, in, like, a lot of video games and stuff like that for that exact reason. So I do feel like they really um, characterize the angel of Uriel well.
0: Yeah, 100%. That was something I was really aware of this time watching it as well it was not something I was thinking about the first time I saw it but like coming back to it, it like a few years later I'm like oh wow cool especially you know when and they're like oh he's a specialist in quote-unquote purifying I really enjoy the sort of positioning of Cass and, and Dean as like similar in their relationship to authority Like in this scene in particular, I I don't know how much you made note of it, Jordan, but there's the bit about like, you've never questioned a crep order, just a couple of hammers, blah, 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 like that whole thing. I'm pretty sure it was in season three when Dean has like, they've taken the dream route. It's that episode. Yeah. And he's like interacting with his demon doppelganger who calls him daddy's blunt little instrument. I'm pretty sure that was in that episode. I, it's just like a very fun little little callback and once again of course we have to say uh yes in this metaphor john is god
1: <laughs> oh
0: john hank get away from him
1: no never and also like i'm kind of curious to see where this storyline goes with dean being the chosen and how that affects his like self-esteem and self-worth mm-hmm. and how cassio helps him in that journey
2: I, I can't get over how much this sounds like every person who ends up with like a cis white male boyfriend where he's like no come on my f- like friend I've known for a long time this guy really has potential like he could be good how Cass talks about deep. oh <laughs>
0: oh yeah Yeah, totally. Uh, Yeah, he is, like, already so invested in, like, the idea of Dean as, like, this kind of, I don't want to say, like, savior, because I feel like that's really on the nose, but, like, he is super invested in the idea that Dean is going to help them get out of the apocalypse. I love their dialogue here. I was briefly talking to Jordan about how, like, While there's a lot of things that I dislike about this episode, Uriel and Castiel, I feel like really carry a lot of just a lot of it throughout and like make me stay interested. Like the little bit they have together about like, oh, are you prepared to like disobey, like talking about their true orders and all this stuff. Like, the level of intrigue and and Mm -hmm. mystery built around that when all of the mystery has been taken out of, like, the stuff with the the witch. It creates stakes as other stakes have just been resolved.
2: Yeah, Mm -hmm. and it also, like, does a good job of, like, making this not just a knockoff episode. We talked about how this is, like, cheesy and campy. But at the same time, like, it's really integral to moving along the season. And even though there's this very, like, well, here's a witch, they're a teenager's fake horror movie type energy, um, they still keep those serious notes. Like, right. I love a one off episode, but I think it's even cooler to see how this one ties into the like long arcing storyline.
0: Right, exactly. And it just wouldn't do that without um, Castiel and Uriel in it. This point in the episode is where it kind of. I kind of lose interest for a little bit. I think I'm just unimpressed with the whole ritual scene, like all of it. What did you guys think?
1: So they they go to the, yeah, the thing, and like uh, Tracy's getting sacrificed in the basement, but it's like in the basement underneath the party, right?
0: No, it's in like the Wallace's house. Oh
1: yeah, it's in the, oh, it's in the Wallace's. That's right. God, I was really checked out right here was really hard to get back in. Yeah,
0: and I was sort of like, why? Like, I don't know. I feel like maybe like she was there like house sitting or babysitting or something.
1: Yeah, I guess like, I don't know. The whole, it just doesn't make sense. I do like that he just shoots the witch though. Yeah, no, that was great.
0: They're like not fucking around. They just walked down there and they're like, shot him. Um, it's just some like continuity stuff at this point really throws me out of it like in the beginning of the episode Sam was like oh these ancient charred baby bones but like here they're like oh the bones are like being fired in the kilns yeah. at the high school so there's like- that and then it's like The ancient Celtic, whatever, whatever, but they get down there and it's like all of this Latin incantation and spell work. And I'm like, okay. Like,
1: (laughs) I was like, are they, did they kill the Wallace's baby? Like, have we not heard about
0: that? Right, right. I was just like, what is going on? Like, it just feels like really messy. And like, the whole interaction between the witch and the demon possessing Dawn is just like, we talked about reasons why it's gross at the beginning but also it's just boring I think yeah. I was thrilled when that character like just snapped her neck I was like great we don't have to deal with those anymore <laughs> it yeah. was so dumb
1: yeah and then we have like the blood smear on the face right I was um at first I was like oh is this gonna be some like cool like ritual type thing and then they're like oh it's a Halloween costume I was right. like is
0: it <laughs> Right. It's, like, the idea of a mask, which I thought was kind of a stretch, but I was willing to accept it because of the ways in which this episode really, like, seems to lean into the idea of a costume or a mask or facade, all of which are kind of just, like, a lie. And, like, the, the ways in which people are, like, pretending to be things that they're not, like, throughout this episode. So, I, I was like, okay, whatever. Uh, it's fine. Like, I just tried not to worry about it too much. But it's uh, it does, like, the whole scene is sort of, like, ostensibly this is, like, the climax. But then it isn't, right? The climax is, like, the mausoleum. Yeah. But it just feels very, like, all right, sure, whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was, we literally saw the two antagonists die and it felt like a throwaway scene.
0: Right, right. Very weird.
1: So salmon discovers the mausoleum where the kids are partying. I can't at. believe
0: you were still calling him salmon. Every time you say salmon, my brain stops for a second. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking? And then I'm like, oh yeah.
1: <laughs> Once they learn how to pronounce it, I will. Jesus. The, um,
0: the mausoleum party.
1: Yes. I will say minor complaints, um, but we're just talking about like Lack of detail and like these minor scenes. Mm -hmm. All of the graves are like almost like the same age. They aged all of the people to be like 80 years old inside of the mausoleum and then they all pop out as young people.
0: Right. It's just a little thing. I have to say though, I love that like the end of Justin's arc as like a side character was just getting like exploded. Yeah. I don't know what the purpose of that was, but I loved it. It was hilarious.
1: And he was also the only one at the party that died.
0: Right. Oh, my God. That's so weird.
1: There was just something about, like, stoners in this world. They just do not get to live.
0: I was going to say, except for Dean, but, like, he dies a lot, actually. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you generally just love this mausoleum scene, though? Yeah. Like, like I can live with the fact that the monsters don't accurately represent the graves that they come out of. Like, whatever. I don't care. Like, the kids in the mausoleum and the guy locking them in and the zombies. And, like, I talked earlier about, like, the continuity with, like, the silver stakes and the zombies and everything. And it's just, like, really fun. I love all of the, um, like, the kitschy rattling of the stone graves when they're, like, going to pop out and all this stuff. It's it's just so goofy. Like, it's bringing back some of that stuff I really enjoyed from the beginning of the episode. But on top of that, I don't think we've got to see a lot of moments in this series where Sam is being really badass, but I honestly think he's like really cool here. He's like, yeah, demon ray gun stuff doesn't work on me. I am like, fuck. Yeah, Sam. No, it does not. (laughs) You get her.
1: Yeah, and then, of course, he uses his uh, Jedi soul suck thing. Yeah.
0: We kind of knew it was going to happen. Yeah, like there exactly. There was so much pressure on him to not do it, just in terms of the fact that it got brought up both by the Angels and by Dean previously. Like, we kind of knew, like, yeah, this is going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Especially right when the the knife doesn't, the, like, he gets disarmed. You're like, oh, he's going to do it now. Wow.
1: I do think I, it's funny that uh-huh. this power, all the angels are so scared of, is the power to kill other demons. I'm just like, let them. <laughs> like, what is going on? It makes no sense.
2: Right, right, right. Uriel's just jealous. He just wants Literally. this power. I like the, how they keep cutting Dean's face in this scene, too. right. Like, he's in the background watching it happen. Yeah, I think that, to me, humanized it because it did lead up to it so much. Like, we needed his reaction to not just be like, oh, of course, here's, like, the pinnacle of the scene. He definitely looks, like, almost betrayed.
0: Right. He definitely does. And I think there's a lot of interesting stuff going on, like just in terms of like the distance between them, like they're on opposite ends of this long hallway. And he, like, he feels very far away from Sam, you know, both physically and emotionally we can see on his face. And when we get very close up to Sam's face, when he's like really straining, it does look almost like his eyes are fully black for a second there You know, kind of a similar thing like they did in uh, Yellow Fever where they had the little flash of Sam's eyes being yellow at the end. I also, I was wondering if you guys saw the same thing that I did, but I think the stained glass behind Sam on that wall, did it not look like a fruit tree?
1: It did kind of look like a fruit tree.
0: Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I was getting like these, you know, um, original sin and like temptation kind Mm -hmm. of vibes from that, that inevitably he succumbs to. Um, Plus, I think it's just really cool that like they started that physical encounter with uh, Sam and the other demon with the demon being in front of the wall with like the glass framing his dance in his head and by the end they've swapped. So Sam is in the demon space. I, I just think it's visually interesting and that's not even to speak of the fact that just like stained glass by itself is pretty, but they also have this really high contrast between dark and light stone going on in in the whole room. I just think it's a really pretty scene that does a lot of work in a lot of different ways.
2: I also really like how Uriel and um, Cass, I almost forgot Cass's name. Oh Uriel my God, and Ali. Cass, I know I'm losing it. End of the school year vibes. Um, Uriel and Cass are to me representative of like Old Testament and New Testament. And oh, yeah. I love how it's kind of like the sheer brutality that God was in the Old Testament. And then Cass right. is kind of like the confusion of where to go next and what is justice right and in this scene especially with the fruit in the background it's like Sam transforms into like the the bridge between them with like Adam and Eve and like are humans worth saving like it, it's to me takes these two different ideas of what god is and then puts them in conflict of having to figure right. out how to deal with it
0: right right absolutely oh, i love that so much you're so right i love your brain Ali. <laughs>
2: It might not know who Cass
0: is, but it gets some things. Yeah, no, it totally does. It can it can point out a dichotomy and and draw attention to it for sure. And that's about all. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So this is where Uriel kind of drops the bomb that has Dean shared with like all the things he saw in hell. Yeah. And like a part of me is like really curious where this is going to go. But the other part of me is like, that's not Sam's to know. Keep your nose out of it, Sam. He could process trauma in his own way.
0: Well, I think Uriel is trying to stir shit up. Yeah, he seems like a shit
1: stirrer. I can relate.
0: I'm like good for him.
1: Yeah, literally.
0: I do love this whole conversation, by the way. Like, other other than the fact that Uriel is being, like, a shit stirrer and is, like, getting on Sam's case about, like, the powers and everything. I think it's really fun. Like, we don't really get to see Sam argue with people other than Dean. Like, he is usually pretty even-tempered with other people. It's fun to see him just be like, no, fuck you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, I I just love his whole demeanor this episode. Like we get a lot more out of Sam than we normally do. So as much as I'm like, what the fuck were y'all thinking in this episode for a lot of the content, uh, a lot of very offensive, uh, disturbing content. You know, I'm also like, thank you for feeding us like Jesus Christ. And and also I think it is good for the audience to have this reminder here about uh, Jess and Mary's death on November 2nd. I wasn't thinking about that until the end of the episode, and that's like a huge thing for them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I forgot that Mary's kind of a big part of this season.
0: Yeah, so it's like, it's like important to remind us of that.
1: I am very excited to see where it goes, that is for sure.
0: The closing scene is Dean and Cass talking in the park.
1: Oh, this scene was so good.
0: It really was.
1: Okay, here's the thing. I was really surprised that they took this move so early on because we had been kind of building up this like intrigue around Cast. Like, are his intentions like really good? You know, we still don't know if the angels' intentions as a whole are good. But we're like, is he telling the truth? Is he as he says it is? But here, it's like they're letting us know. Like, Castiel is a sweetheart, and it was just very endearing.
0: Yeah, I love that this scene isn't nearly as impactful without the scene that he had with Uriel earlier when they're yeah. talking about disobedience and blasphemy and stuff and for it, so they they let us know early on what heaven says is right is right and those are the rules for them so when he when he says to dean like would you, if i tell you something when you promise not to tell another soul like he's really being vulnerable sharing mm-hmm. the fact that he questions the, the things his superiors tell him and like he has doubts about heaven's plan and everything it's just so i think you said endearing and, and it really is but not in like the you know like when I don't know. Dean does something stupid kind of way. But I truly feel deeply endeared to Cass in yeah. this scene. And his his fallibility makes him and his surprising fallibility makes him uh that much more compelling and I love it.
1: Well, I have to think too about while we're getting this beautiful bout of character development Mm -hmm. like through their relationship with each other and through like Cassio's relationship with his superiors like we are getting like little hints from about the story too because Mm -hmm. when he says I was praying that he would choose what he did like that he would make his decision it's like now we know that the angels aren't in like direct line with God right because they pray the same as people it's like they're kind of dealing with all of the like hierarchy kind of bullshit that humans deal with and and it's just it was very interesting
0: right Um and And i have to wonder too because he is certain that god exists We've we've like he's established that and you know there is like you said this uh implication that they don't interact with god directly so i wonder if like you know like does he wonder if his prayers are reaching god like the same way that you know people wonder I don't know, like, it's hard for me to talk about things I like with the same precision I can talk about things I don't like I just I really enjoy the questions that um, this very small scene asks. And, like, there's something about the whole um, setup of the shot and the way, like, again, Cass and Dane are sort of positioned as being, like, similar in terms of their struggles, but also just, like, physically the way the shot is mirrored, like, straight down the middle, like, with the park benches at that mirrored angle, and they're both sitting at the end, and they're close to each other, but not, like, facing each other. I don't know. It's all very aesthetically pleasing and meaningful. Hopeful.
1: absolutely agree it's also like I don't know this show like it is hopeful and we do have hopeful moments but not all the time which I do appreciate but I don't know there's something to me that's really poetic about like that Dean and Sam were kind of made or Dean more specifically was kind of made to look like a fool for wanting to save this town Mm -hmm. Especially when there was like such a small chance but we also find out that like maybe him saving this town the way he did and like risking his life was actually the right thing to do not only as a human being but like as part of the greater plan
0: yeah, definitely. And I think, like you said, there is like a like a hopeful tone to it, despite the fact that the final lines of the scene are
1: very foreboding.
0: Yeah. Cass's final lines are very foreboding with like, I don't envy the the weight that's on your shoulders or whatever. And I think like because of the fact that they succeeded in saving all of these people, and Dean feels satisfied with the result of everything. And so does Cass. It's not that it underwrites how foreboding that line is. It's just that it like cuts kind of the bitterness of it.
1: No, absolutely. See, that's what I want from the season. Is I want the angels. Like I just hope we get a lot more angels after this point.
0: Well, all right. I think that is all of our content for the episode itself. So, are you guys ready to move on to the fanfic? I am a
1: hundred yeah. million percent ready.
0: Perfect. I really went digging for some old fic for this one. The story I picked is called Telemetry by AO3 user Sci-5. And it was published in 2013. So quite a while ago. The summary is telemetry, noun, to transmit automatically and at a distance, much to Dean Winchester's displeasure. Like, seriously, come on, some things are meant to be kept private, some breaks are meant to happen in silence, and some coping mechanisms are not meant to be seen on a goddamn open access angel radio wave band. Um so and and it specifically notates that this is set within the first 7 episodes of season 4 so i thought this was like really perfect
1: oh yeah incredible. yeah
0: it's rated t it is a dustiel fic but it's it's like a pre slash thing the additional tags are Destiel, pre relationship pre slash angst <laughs> mini angst <laughs> all the angst panic attacks PTSD, dissociation, canon typical violence, canon typical misogyny, and season slash series four. So um, basically, this is like a Dean character study, like him trying to wrangle his crazy how PTSD stuff and that being heard accidentally by uh, Cass. I'm not done reading this. But I did start it and it's a very like third person limited Dean perspective kind of thing. And the, the voice in the prose is very good. Like it, it feels very much like Dean at this point in the series, like, like he is talking, um, which I always enjoy. This fic is 9,015 words long and only has 1,606 hits. So please oh. go give it a read. Go recognize that author. Jump scare them with that email about the kudos they got.
2: (laughs) I love that. That sounds awesome.
0: Yeah, we love to explore trauma.
1: Supernatural will hopefully give us that opportunity as well.
0: (laughs) One of these days.
2: (laughs) We both just laugh abruptly at that.
1: Are we ready to rate the episode?
2: Yeah. Yep,
0: let's do it.
1: Okay, I'm going to give it. One point for the hotel scene with the Angels, one point for the final scene with Castiel, and 0.5 for all the fun Halloween costumes, landing a total of 2.5 out of 5 ceramic bongs. What about you, Allie?
2: Sorry, I'm just in shock at how low...
1: I did not like this episode. I like the angels and almost nothing else.
2: Yeah, that surprises me, though. I really like this episode. Obviously, we've talked through some of the problems. um, But I thought this was a good holiday episode and still on point, like, content-wise. Obviously, there are some parts I did cut and there, oh, Lord, these boys have a lot of unpacking to do about the shit they (laughs) say. But despite all of this, I would still give this four apple bobbings out of oh, five. Wow.
1: Boiling apple bobbings.
2: Boiling apple bobbings. Oh my god.
1: Boots with the fur.
2: <laughs> the
0: whole club was looking at her. You gotta make sure you really emphasize the err. <laughs> Anyway, um, I'm going to give this one a 3.25 demon ray gun things. Hell yeah. Because I am just so deeply ambivalent about this episode. There are things that I really love about it, things that I really hate about it, things that I think are really skillfully executed and things that I think fall really flat. Okay, Jordan, what are we in for next?
1: Oh my gosh. So here's the thing. I have been waiting for this episode because we have like had some kind of fillery episodes leading up till here. And this was like, you know, actual plot, but (laughs) it doesn't really shine a lot of light on what's coming next. It just kind of like builds up the intensity on what we already know. It is good to know that Castiel is kind of rooting for Dean I think Castiel is going to kind of meddle a little bit and maybe even betray the angels Mm -hmm. to save Dean and Cass.
0: You mean, Dean and Sam.
1: Dean and Sam. Goodness. I'm like, when are they going to have more characters in this show? And then I can't even (laughs) keep all their names straight. There's only three (laughs) of them.
0: Yeah. And there was also, lest we forget, Uriel goading Sam into pestering Dean about hell trauma.
1: Yeah, that's true. I think Uriel is gonna I think he's gonna stick around like I don't think I don't think his storyline is gonna be wrapped up this season fully Mm -hmm. um but I think Uriel's prejudice against um humans or mud monkeys Mm -hmm. as he calls them
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is
1: gonna kind of get him into trouble and I think that's what's gonna I'm gonna actually you know what? I'm gonna have a big I have a big one for dropping a bomb
2: (laughs) here we go I'm excited
1: this is probably not gonna happen but it'd be really cool if it did (laughs) I think that Dean is going to be like pretty much ordered by these angels to kill Sam and Dean isn't going to be able to do it. So then they're like, okay, so Cass, you're going to have to do it. But then Cass says no too. And he's going to defect from the angels. I love it. There you have it obviously I'm right and I'm never wrong and I'm perfect so I don't even have to watch anymore because I've already predicted everything um so if you've watched all 15 seasons of this I've seen up to episode 4x7 and I know more than you about supernatural so meh
2: I mean also probably true like (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's
0: possible yeah thanks for tuning in to on the road with supernatural our theme music was composed by Anthony Ployhart, and special thanks to Sophia London for our logo If you're having fun, hit us up on Tumblr, Instagram, or Twitter at OTR Supernatural or contact us by email at ontheroadwithsupernatural at gmail.com with any questions or feedback. That's all for today. See you next time in Concrete, Washington. Bye. Bye. Bye.